Welcome to the Whose Body Is It podcast. I'm your host, Isabella Malvin. For those who don't know me, I'm a birth worker, a life coach, hypnotist, and a former liberal feminist turned radical truth teller. On this podcast, I expose the forces at play attempting to control our minds and bodies, such as transgender ideology, pornography, prostitution, and so much more. Together, we'll untangle patriarchal lies as you listen to jaw-dropping interviews with women from around the world. Warning, while listening to this podcast, you might find yourself triggered or perhaps notice where you've been biting your tongue on the issues that matter most to you. In my coaching and hypnosis, I help women and men stop getting triggered by every single thing, cultivate resilience, stop unwanted behaviors, and increase self-confidence. You can book your first session at whosebodyisit.com, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. And I just want to say that it's because of your endless support that I'm able to interview amazing women, get their stories out, and produce regular episodes for you. So with that being said, please like, comment, and subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And if you're listening in, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also consider making a financial contribution via the link in my show notes. You can also visit my activist sticker shop. My pro-woman stickers have the power to intercept transhumanist programming. So take a photo of your stickers out in the wild and tag me on Instagram at Whose Body Is It? Without further ado, let's get into this week's story. Marissa Darling, a Milwaukee elementary school counselor, was fired from her job after speaking out against transgender ideology at a feminist protest in April of 2022. Marissa was harassed, doxxed, and stalked. Her property was picketed and her yard littered. She even found ads on Nextdoor, Instagram, and a news article in the city paper coordinating the protests and harassment against her. Marissa is now suing the school district. In this episode, we discuss how the antisocial and threatening behavior trans rights activists indulge in online is actually training for their real-world behavior, targeting and harassing women who resist the pedophilic grooming of children into gender identity. Marissa also speaks to the skills she teaches kids to become embodied and her newfound appreciation for the First Amendment. Let's start with like maybe a crisis point. Like you were a school counselor Mm -hmm. doing the work that you have a degree in, doing the work that you're passionate about, you know, working with kids, um, working at a school that you loved. Um, When did you start to, I guess, notice that what was happening with the kids and kind of the predominant culture that was being imposed you know at your school when did you start to notice like a kind of a break when you're like oh wait what is happening and like i'm not for this like kind of curious about that that time period or those moments yeah so 
Fortunately, I was most recently working at a, a K through five school where the gender ideology stuff hasn't really reached its tentacles in mm. too far, but there are a couple classrooms, a second grade bilingual classroom and a fifth grade monolingual classroom where the teachers really made it a point to have all kinds of like signals, flags, everything that you can that you can probably picture being shown on libs of tiktok was in these concentrated in these couple of classrooms and i knew that i kind of had to start keeping an eye on how things were progressing as far as what was happening with those two classrooms when uh i learned that one of the teachers a female teacher was having her students call her mix so and so um and talking with her students and sharing stories with them about how she always felt uh like she was more comfortable in boy clothes and in the same classroom the teacher had set up what she called her chill corner uh for students to go to when they were like either like emotionally overloaded or in need of some time to reset or refocus. And then above the chill corner, directly above the chill corner, she had uh, the progress flag, the trans flag and the non-binary flag hanging. And so I, I felt concerned about this because kids were going to this space in the classroom when they were already in a heightened like emotional state and seeing these symbols and there, there's a, there's going to be a connection there. There's going to be something that goes through a child's mind, connecting the fact that this is a safe space with these symbols, and that that penetrates their being, especially when they're already raw and vulnerable and in need of some kind of comfort in in any given moment, you know. Um, so unsurprisingly, <laughs> this teacher and the other one, the second grade teacher who had a flag in her classroom that spelled out the word human with each letter representing a different colored pride flag, both of these teachers ended up being among the people that protested in front of my home when they found out what I had said about gender ideology at a feminist rally on my own time. So that I think probably definitely mm. qualifies as a crisis point. I remember the day, June 18th, it was a few days after the school year had ended and a few days after I had gotten suspended and trespassed from my job. Um, I had been out doing errands with my dog that afternoon. And when we came home, we found our front yard littered with picket signs and mini trans flags. And people had written in chalk all over my sidewalk and my driveway, just different kinds of messages like no turfs in public schools, Marissa about to lose her job. All, all kinds of stuff. And it was cool. It was a coordinated effort because I found Facebook ads for it after the fact. I found ads on the Nextdoor app and I found live videos. I found Instagram posts from my coworkers who 
posed with their honor our trans kids picket signs. Uh, there ended up being a, a news article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about the event. They sent a photographer out. Uh, and since I live near the central office building for Milwaukee Public Schools, they marched from the central office to my home. It's, this, it's a good two miles. So it was this whole coordinated thing. Uh, they, I guess, had hoped that I would be home since it was a Saturday. But, you know, since it was a Saturday, I was out living my life. Didn't expect anything like this to happen. I didn't expect anyone to take their disagreement with what I said to this extent. But I've learned <laughs> over the past few months that people are as unhinged and histrionic about their defensive gender identity ideology and trans kids in real life as they are online because they learn how to do it online mm. and then they don't know how to interact with people on the topic in real life at all. Yeah. This is the zero tolerance policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact approach that uh, my school district took because there was no like progressive discipline process like there's supposed to be when you've never had any kind of uh, infraction during your employment at all. They characterized what I said as gross misconduct because I identified myself by name and said where I work. Uh, I did not implicate Milwaukee Public Schools in any wrongdoing. I didn't even mention anything about the fact that there were things going on in my school in those couple of classrooms that made me start to side eye what was happening. Mm -hmm. I didn't do I didn't do anything to harm anybody. I didn't say anything to harm anybody. I didn't even accuse anybody specifically of anything. Yet because I said the words fuck transgenderism, stated that I was an elementary school counselor, and declared that I would not let gender identity ideology harm my students, uh, I was subjected to harassment, stalking, doxing. I had a very special friend come pound on my windows in the dark and call me a transphobic cunt. Mm. Just, just some random male from the neighborhood decided to find out where I live and come around and knock in like several times. That is what so was scary. so interesting about it is that the, the concentration of all this crazy behavior happened between uh, June 1st and June 30th. And what what's the thing that we celebrate during that time period? Summer solstice. <laughs> I don't know. You're asking the wrong witch. Wait, wait, wait. Give me a second. Between June 1st and June 30th, end of the school year. And pride. And pride. Oh, right. June 1st is pride. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So everybody, everybody decided to come out of the woodwork for Pride mm. Month. And malign little old me. And then as soon as July 1st rolled around, 
they were gone. Mm. They were gone. The only thing that continued after that point in time was an online petition to the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction to try to get my license revoked. And that is still under investigation. So I've got the state after me. I've got the district after me. I've got coworkers after me, community members who I don't even know after me, plus people from out of town, out of state, just random online people. So when radical feminists tell you that it is this bad when you speak up, believe them. When we tell you that there is a very real risk that you can lose your entire livelihood and have your life turned upside down simply for saying that children cannot be born in the wrong body, believe us. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's unbelievable. This caused you, this was a huge reason why you moved. Is that right? Did you Absolutely. end up moving? Right. This yeah. was like, this was cause for, I mean, that is freaking terrifying. Just the, just the, I mean, it's all, it's all beyond belief, but like someone pounding on your bedroom window that you're a transphobic. Con- I mean, like. It wasn't my bedroom window, but a man pounding on your window. Coming onto my property to do so, that's scary enough. Oh, and yeah, yeah I, I do have that crowbar. Homeboys seem to think I was playing. It's, it's called a wonder bar, actually, but I can't not have I can't not have this next to me anymore. And maybe people think I'm being reactionary, but when you're getting death threats, when you're being told to starve to death, when people know where you live, and mm-hmm. when we know how hateful and how vitriolic people are towards women who speak out on this, uh, this doesn't seem so crazy anymore. No. Yeah. That is so frightening. I remember when you were posting photos of the chalk the chalk um, war going back and forth. They'd write something, you'd write something. They'd write something, you'd write that. But this was all happening like outside your front door. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I started it. You started the chalk war. I did because I was walking my dog one day and I just happened to find some baby pink and baby blue chalk on the ground. And I felt inspired, since I own my property, to write a message mm-hmm. to let my community know where I stand. Because I live in a very virtue-signaling area of Milwaukee. Uh, every, every other house has some kind of, in this house we believe, mm-hmm. yard sign. There's lots of, uh, we back the vag. Black Lives Matter, stand against racism, like every every virtue under the sun. We we back the vag. Yeah. So <laughs> Is that like a pro-choice sign? I don't I've never mm-hmm. heard that one. Okay. We we back the vag. So if you travel outside of Milwaukee, it gets more conservative. 
-hmm. And you will see homes with signs that say we back the badge, like pro, like pro police blue lives matter signs. Oh, okay. So it's a tongue in cheek pro abortion. Mm. I see. Way of saying. Mm. That's a new one for me. I'm going to get abortions. Uh, And you'll find different, uh, varieties of we back the vag signs around town some of them just have like a like a lotus figure some of them have a like a female reproductive system mm-hmm. some of them will just have like a little curvy torso with a heart over the vulva mm. and it it in, <laughs> this is getting a little off topic but it enrages me so much because these are the same people who cannot even tell you what a woman is Yet they will invoke female the imagery of female anatomy when it suits their agenda. Totally. I mean, it's not even that far off topic because it's just this whole cluster of just very skewed views on sex and gender. Mm -hmm. And they're putting it off on kids. And I'm just, I'm not here for it. I can't. And so you, so then you were, you attended, it was like, it was a speaker's corner or or a speak out, right? Yeah. It was, was it part of the Sovereign Women Speak event? I can't, what was the context of the speak out? It was weekend in Madison that, um, it was called Sisters for Sisters. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was organized by Women's Liberation Radio News lots of different women came out it was so cool to be able to meet so many different women and I was like I hope Isabella might be there but I know you couldn't make it out it's okay Kay Yang was there Lear Keith was there right so many different women who we know and admire came just to have this opportunity to speak out and so I felt inspired I felt emboldened and I was also super pissed Mm-hmm. because when the time when the time came for us to have that speaker's corner um part of the whole weekend the trans activists found us of course and they infiltrated this the space of course because that's their favorite thing to do is take space away from women mm-hmm and they refused to cede the steps at the Capitol when it was our permitted time to be there. The police were there. They did nothing. And so I encouraged some women to like encroach on the space where the TRAs were standing and refusing to move to reclaim it for women mm-hmm. because we were there to speak. And so unsurprisingly, they were very, very hostile. And I got angry. I said some things. I might have called a man a man. <gasps> he was a woman. I know. I'm so- no, I'm not. I declared that a man was a man to his face, and he did not like that. So he yelled back at me, calling me a lesbian Nazi. Uh, there was some other guy that just called me a cunt. I mean, uh, just a little bit of everything. And of course, all of their handmaidens. And several of them were wearing 
you may have even seen this shirt because it's kind of everywhere now. This this T-shirt that like kind of invoked kind of like a like a cholo hardcore design that said protect trans kids with a rose and a knife motif. Mm, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. So about. several of them had that shirt on and I. I can't abide that because no child is trans. No child is born in the wrong body. And so I did not plan on speaking, but after dealing with that level of verbal abuse and seeing so many people so willing to just be so nasty Mm-hmm. to protect the supposed rights of children to have their bodies mutilated. I was like, hell no, you're going to hear from me. And I don't know exactly how it's going to come out, but I'm going to say it. And uh, I started saying some things and then they started yelling and I had to just stop. And we had to start chanting like we so often do, let women speak, let women speak. And so I was only on the microphone for maybe three minutes and I had to just chant, let women speak to drown these people out for 60 seconds of that. Mm -hmm. So I was worked up. I was angry. I said the F word about five different times. Mm hmm. And the only thing I will say about that is I'm usually much more well-spoken on the topic. So it is regrettable that my message came out the way it did, but I'm still allowed to say the F word on my own time. Mm -hmm. I'm still allowed to speak out on a topic of public concern as a public employee. Mm -hmm. MPS is just mad because of the way I did it. Well, that's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But isn't that always the thing? It's like, well, your delivery just wasn't uh, or the tone or uh, like it, this is often just an excuse for. Like avoiding the content, you know, like addressing the content and, mm-hmm. and, and taking a stand on the content that you are. What you're actually saying. Yeah, but they'd probably be too afraid to do that, too, even right. though their gender guidance policy doesn't provide any kind of evidence-based backing for why I should be teaching my kindergartners about gender identity. There's no, there's no rationale. There's no data that shows mm-hmm. that this is helpful. For kids to be learning about in school, there's nothing Mm -hmm. that shows that it has a positive impact on their academics or their attendance or their behavior, which are the three data points that I, as a school counselor, am tasked with positively affecting through my program, you know, through everything that I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in my school in particular, we had a suicide risk assessment rate twice that of the district, which means kids in my school were making remarks or writing or drawing things 
twice as often as a kid in another school. And so that tells me that's where a large part of my focus has to be in my work as a counselor. I don't have time in the day when my students are suicidal to be prioritizing uh, preferred pronouns, teaching them about pronouns. The fixation on the suicide, it reminds me of like, I think Mary Lee talked about this in the masterclass, like, or in other conversations we've had where like, a lot of us, like, I kind of feel this is true too. Like if we didn't know what an eating disorder was and like how to do it, and like step-by-step guidelines on like how to like be a young girl with an eating disorder. Like, do we actually believe that that's just like an inherent thought that just like comes through the female sex? No, you know, it's like the, like just hearing, it's so disturbing to hear what you just shared about like the fixation being particularly high in your school around suicide. And I, I just think, and this is like kind of a tangent, but just all of the, you know, all the Netflix shows and you know, that just glorifies like the the teen struggle, like the, the kind of the hero's journey of like the suicide and the recovery. And like there's just so much content that's being consumed. And then the more I imagine that the more it's an issue, then the more like suicide awareness things happen. It just like, you know, it just is compounding. So that's just like kind of a, a tangent, but it's been coming up in. I don't know if it came up explicitly in the masterclass, but some of the some of the moms that I'm working with now, it's just there's so much energy and attention around. It's like, well, what do you do at that point? You know, it's like fucking scary. But anyway, it's just it's interesting because you're you know, you've been in a school that's been navigating. Not just explicitly, you know, the trans stuff, but the the huge threat, you know, supposedly that that um, not affirming a child you know, has or the, the threat that's, you know, the the consequence of not affirming, you know, the child is quote trans is is a suicide. So um so you were saying that okay, so in your school so your so your case to your school is like, why would I devote time to talking about this whole trans thing when like we have this much like more acute issue um going on, but then they might say, you know, well this is like one solution to reducing yeah, but there weren't trans children in my school. But that's even better, right? For the agenda that it's like, right, we're going, because the whole thing is there, we have the solution, we have the quote solution to the quote problem. Right? Oh my right, God. I mean, what do you think was going on with all these kids that are expressing suicidal ideation like what what do you think was going on there i'm sure that some of it at least with the older kids like fourth and fifth grade and especially among the girls i'm sure some of it is the contagion factor that you're talking about and the the influence of media and like the things that are like aesthetic and trendy among girls who are already dealing with body image issues and and coming into their womanhood and everything because Mm -hmm. I've had fourth graders starting their periods. Mm -hmm. So it's happening younger and younger. And that like teen media aesthetic is influencing younger girls. But then also there's just the, 
the fact that I worked in a high poverty school. Parents are always working. Kids take care of themselves and their younger siblings. And that shit is hard. It's hard. And kids need help developing coping skills. And these kids didn't have a counselor in their school before I came. So I don't know what they were doing or how they were coping. That's not to say that like I came in and I changed everything, but I was able to offer a service and a set of skills and relative expertise to help them navigate these things. And I took that very seriously. Mm -hmm. So how dare somebody tell me that I need to divert my time, energy, and attention to this idea this falsehood of gender identity, when what I see in front of me is a bunch of hurting kids that don't even know how to talk about their feelings. You know? So I focused a lot on teaching mindfulness skills Like we would start every counseling session with some kind of mindful breathing, mindful listening, mindful movement, just something to get them into their bodies and into the present so that when they need those skills, they've got them. When they notice that they're starting to feel upset or angry or frustrated, they know what that feels like in their body. And then they have a quick thing they can do to bring that down. And I feel like as much as I can help kids get back into their bodies through mindfulness, they're not going to have these feelings of being in the wrong body. Right. Because they're not. They are their body. Their body is special. Their body belongs to them and there's nothing wrong with it. So for people who have no idea what it is that I do, who have never observed what I do, who don't have the experience that I do, or even an interest in the things that I'm interested in to say, you're doing this wrong and you're not allowed to do this anymore. And you are immoral for doing your job with integrity. For people to say that, It's just, it feels like such a betrayal. But that's what happens when these few loud people in their protect trans kids shirts get their way. Normal people like me who have integrity, who want to do the right thing and who want to follow the science who want to have measurable data to show this is having an effect and this is not effective. We just don't get heard. And that's so like dangerous. Like this is so unsustainable. Yeah. In public schools, especially it cannot continue like this. 
we've already seen like through everything that like libs of TikTok has exposed, everything that eyes inside the classroom has exposed, uh, education veritas, courage is a habit, all of these organizations and accounts and social media presence has exposed that things are going downhill really fast. And I don't blame parents for pulling their children from public schools. I don't blame parents who would have never considered homeschool before suddenly saying, uh, I'm going to homeschool my kid because I'm not doing this. Yeah. Because children are exposed to harmful things in public schools and gender identity ideology is one of the main things. Yeah. So that's another reason why I decided to say what I said and I've doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on it because I want parents to know I'm not down with this. I don't agree with it. And I want to try to make public schools better. Like I want to do my part to try to redeem the education system. And for me, that means denouncing these things that I believe really harm children, Mm -hmm. doing it loudly and vocally and not backing down. And also making it known I'm doing this from a radical feminist foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not like a religious conservative. I'm not a political conservative. I'm not, I guess you could just say I'm independent. But I'm also just not, I'm not going to play into this broken system and I'm not going to use my position as a counselor to perpetuate it. But they don't like that. And so uh, they just eliminated me. But. But. (laughs) You're suing them. I'm so suing them. Yeah, uh, I was very fortunate to get hooked up with the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Uh, And my lawyer, Luke, let me know from the outset, you know, you might want to check out the other cases on our website because we are conservative leaning. And I'm like, I don't care. They stand for free speech. They support everybody's right to speak out freely because it is our first amendment right as Americans. And I'm not gonna like reject their help just because I may not agree with some other case that they litigated four years ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like I said, when I talked to Laura Ingram, because I got invited to talk on her show back in June I've just decided to get out of my own way when it comes to partisan politics around this issue, because it's about the safety of kids. And like, as a result, Fox News has let me call myself a radical feminist on more than one occasion. So like, I'm going to go where the support is and I'm going to go where I'm allowed to speak. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not CNN. Unfortunately, that's not Wisconsin Public Radio or even my local paper, because both of those outlets have characterized me as being Mm anti-trans. 
so original. Right. All I can do is shake my head like, okay, everybody. Okay. You know, with the public record, like what is the lawsuit um, state? Like, what are you, what are you suing them? We are suing for? for reinstatement to my original position at my school and back pay mm -hmm. and any kind of damages that are applicable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's more than I could hope for. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm not trying to like get millions of dollars from anybody because that's just taxpayer money anyways. I just want to go back to work. Just want to do my job with integrity to the best of my ability. And I've had people ask me, well, gosh, do you really want to go back to that school? Because, you know, it's a hostile environment. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to go back there. Uh, everybody else can deal with their feelings. Mm. And go ahead and wear your little This Educator Protects Trans Youth t-shirts every day. Coordinate another day where you all wear them at the same time, like ha what happened right before I got suspended. Go for it. That's your problem. I know I'm standing in the truth. I know I'm standing in my integrity. And I'm, I know I'm doing right by those kids. So while I'm willing to discuss any aspect of what I've said with anybody who wants to talk about it, and I'm willing to apologize if anyone felt personally harmed or offended by what I said, I'm also not going to apologize for saying that I'm not doing this. I'm not going to lie to my students. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because no part of this gender identity ideology claptrap is true. No, none of it. I mean, I think it's amazing that you're following it all the way through. You know, you have, you know, we talk about like the public record of our dissent, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is that. This lawsuit is real. It's historic. It's really, it's quite important you know, in this, in this fight, you know, I, have you heard from a lot of other counselors and teachers that are like afraid to speak up since you've come out with your story? Uh, I haven't really yet, but I'm hoping that my op-ed that got published last week will reach more educators mm. because I said at the very tail end of what I wrote that like, I'm here to be in your corner and support you mm. in this. I wrote the piece for them so they could know the reality of what I've been through mm. and what is likely to happen to them if they speak out. But with the sense of urgency and the imperative that we, we must speak out, it's like our kids can't wait any longer. Yeah. It's at it's at that critical point, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think it's really clear what you've lost, right? It's been quite severe. What have you gained? What has gotten better for you, if anything? 
since no that's great that you asked that and like I light up when you ask that because while my life has been completely turned upside down and I've lost some really significant relationships in my life I have gained so much clarity in what my values are like I never really thought about free speech and how incredibly important it is that we have it and how rare it is that we have it and how how important it is that we exercise that right until like I was punished for doing it so now like I'm all about free speech and I will I will exercise my right to free speech in any way that I so choose, in any way I see fit, without like being a bitch about it. But someone's always gonna think I'm a bitch about yeah. it. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that for sure. My like my values have become clear to me. I've also met and connected with so many different kinds of people from all walks of life through this experience online offline at the gas station while I'm walking my dog uh I found a new church community I Mm. found a new connection to my spirituality and Mm. my relationship with God I have gained so much Mm. now that I think about it it's been a wild ride And it's all because I decided to just speak as a woman, which is my God-given right. Damn it. I don't know. I, I'm like, we should just cut it there. That was super simple. <laughs> we should just end on that. No. <laughs> no, that was, yeah. I think this is really like a path that we are chosen for in some capacity and Mm -hmm. it's not easy and like you said you know it's you're guaranteed to lose significant relationships yeah I really want that I want that to be known and I want that to be put out there kind of as a warning Mm -hmm. but also as a call to courage Mm -hmm. for other women because you can do it and you can survive It's not easy. It sucks a lot. Like, I have no money. None. But I'm I'm standing in the truth. And that is, like, the most valuable thing that I could have been given. So big ups to God for that. (laughs) And to the women who have supported me along the way. All the cool people especially the female ones that I've met over these past several months. It's just, it's been overall a really positive thing for my life as a whole Mm -hmm. sucks as far as my professional life goes, but I wouldn't change it. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so excited for women to hear this interview because I I mean counselors and therapists reach out to me all the time who are like 
fuck this shit. I don't know what to do. I'm, uh, you know, who think that they're stuck or they financially, you know, they're in a bind, you know, they're, they're, they know what the consequences are and they're afraid, understandably. Um, so I think, you know, I hope that this, that your story really, yeah, as you said, is a call to courage and inspires, you know, at least the consideration of something outside of endorsing and going along with something that, that, you know, we know is is wrong it's just it's it has to be a non-option anymore and if you're you're still in the system and you're hearing this like start making your escape plan or start uh, you know a committee or you know there's so many things that can be done if you're feeling you know stuck in it but um yeah it's not an easy decision it sounds also like you're you are so committed to reforming you know like what is what is currently what currently exists. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah. If at all possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marissa. I'm going to link your Fox News op-ed and some of the other other coverage and, and ways for women who are listening to to follow you and support you. So thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or family member who needs to hear this content. And if you do share it on social media, don't forget to follow and tag me at whose body is it. So until next time.